So welcome back to Leaders of Consulting. On this episode, I'm speaking with Susan Gold, who is a marketing strategy coach for professional service firms, specializing in helping business owners attract their ideal clients. So thanks so much, Susan, for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jonathan. I'm really excited to be here today. Yes, same here. We've had a couple of conversations before, and there's plenty of good stuff I'm sure we'll we'll get into in this episode. And actually, you know, like we we're saying, we usually tend to follow uh, somewhat of a set structure with uh, this show. But I'm thinking that we might rip up the script a little bit here because you shared some really interesting points of view, which I'd love to dive into. And the first of which is something you said to me about the importance of being in the right room. Can you tell me what you mean by that? Yes, it's probably my favorite uh, concept about being in the right room. And when I refer to that, I usually mean it in context of networking because it's so literal. We're often networking on Zoom. Um, Some people are still networking in person. Hopefully that will be more of occasion than not going forward. But as we get there, it's important to be in the room with your ideal clients. And oftentimes we're in networking groups where we, it might be a mix of a lot of different kinds of people who do a lot of different types of things. They may or may not represent the network that that business owner really needs. So I hear a lot that Susan, I do a lot of networking and I belong to networking groups. I'm paying to be a member of networking groups. I show up every week. I do my weekly ask. I do my presentations, but I'm not getting any referrals. That is a great example of potentially being in the wrong room. Alignment with your ideal clients. And I define that as clients that are a joy to work with, that respect what we do, that have the need, ability to pay, and willingness to pay for our value. So when you're in the right room, when you make that shift away from maybe mass uh, networking of B2B and B2C, if you're a B2B professional and you get into the right room, you're going to find that your um, introductions, the quality goes up significantly, and it's a faster path to the ideal clients that you want to attract. Yeah. And when you when you describe that, one of the things I think about is there are certain organizations or networking events that are extremely structured. So sometimes they're a good kind of starting point for people who are looking to make some referrals. I think the first one comes to mind for me is BNI or Business Networking International. Um, the, the way I like to describe it to people is like, it's like Toastmasters, but for networking. So it's very, it's like everything's done by the minute and, and it's great. And you can, you know, you can get to know a good bunch of people and, uh, they're usually, uh, early morning, morning birds a lot of the time, uh, which suits some people's schedule. But like you say, even though it might feel like you're doing something extremely productive and you're networking for referrals and so on, it's not always the right room to be in. Yeah, I think the um, the networking groups, BNI, as, a, as an example, is a great organization. I was a member for almost three years. Um, it can be a great organization if that represents your ideal client, the market and the network of the people in the room. Because, of course, you're not trying to sell to the room. You're trying to sell through the room. So you want to make sure that the network of the people that are in the room are the kinds of ideal clients or referral partners that you're looking for. 
you know, BNI is fantastic for a lot of the home sphere or, you know, uh, businesses that are looking for, you know, things that occur with life events, whether you get married, divorced, you have children, you're buying a house. There are a room full of people that can help from legal to um, home buying and loans and everything. There are sprinkles of B2B people throughout um, organizations like BNI, the exclusive seat type of very structured networking, but there's also networking particularly for B2B people so that there are more of the network that you're looking for if you're a B2B professional services company looking to meet other like-minded professionals. There are organizations that specialize in that. And then the next level of being in the right room is looking at your ideal clients and where do they gather? What industry associations do they belong to? Because they're already getting together in a room. So why not join that room in addition to whatever general networking that you're doing? That's how mm-hmm. to be in the right room. Yeah, it makes me um, makes me also think about how when approaching networking events, it's also a good thing to keep in mind that it's not always necessarily like everyone in that room is not necessarily going to become your immediate client straight away. Um, but oftentimes it's also we're thinking about how can you just be a referable, helpful person? Uh, you know, how can you, how can you let people know what you do, um, in a way that when they're talking to their network, they know exactly they're, you're a good person to refer them to. And they, at the end of the day, people are putting their reputations on the line as well at the same time. So that's something to be cognizant of. Absolutely. And you know, we have all heard the term no like, and trust. It takes time to do that. And when you, I mean, I don't think anybody really wants to be sold directly in the room. Um, I think if people want to self-refer, it's up to them to raise their hand and say, you mean you can help me? And that is when it works. But if you really represent your own company to really focus on who's your ideal client, what to listen for, um, what are those triggering events that create the need for your services, and then what to say and how to introduce. Then if someone wants to self-refer, that's great. But that way you're empowering everybody in the room to um, really represent you and find those trigger points. And thinking back to the days pre-website, pre-email, we didn't have those tools at our disposal. Some people, they managed to get by without them. But something that you said that uh, that stuck out to me was you said, oh, it is, it's not necessarily always necessary to be super active on social media, but it is important to have some kind of web presence and a website. Why do you, why do you believe that's so important? Well, to your, your first point, I actually learned marketing before, decades before digital and websites. And so I, I know how to market without the benefit of that. But in today's time, when you are referred, um, someone wants to introduce you to someone, or you're looking for a solution, where do they go? They go on Google and they search. And what comes up, what should come up, is not only your Google listing, but your website. And today, in today's time, your website is your bricks and mortar, particularly now that we're, you know, in the you know, hopefully later stages of COVID where a lot of companies are going to remain on uh, Zoom and in fact, or some virtual 
um, connection. In fact, so many businesses are now borderless because they can be um, they can work across the United States or even further because of the access that we have. It's even more important. In fact, there are statistics that prove this out that you know the first place they look is your website and in B two B your LinkedIn profile. So having a website that really connects with the ideal client, their pain points, not just what you do and not how you do it, but what are the pain points that you solve? What's the impact that you have on those pain points? And therefore, what's the value that you bring that's different? If you think about your messaging on the website that is, it, that's connecting from the perspective of your buyer, what's in their head? What do they know? What are they worrying about? How do they think about purchasing your kind of services? And if you're not sure, you should ask. It's a really important to make that connection on the website. If you look at some competitors, you'll notice that most, almost across all industries, most are just talking about, here's what we do. Here are our people. Here's our credentials. It's up to you to figure out how we fit into your needs. But if you make that connection, it's much more powerful. Yeah. And, and, uh, I can see, you know, with, with social media, you, you have to basically stand out amongst a sea of other people as well. Whereas with a website, it's your ecosystem. You know, you can really decide exactly what you want your visitors, your you know, potential. That's right. You own it. You own it. Yeah. You're, we forget that we're not in control of who sees our posts on social media and it's uh, it can be very frustrating because it's easy to think as a business owner, well, and I hear this all the time, I have a Facebook page, I have a website, and I post occasionally, where are all my new clients? And it's because that is not the, um, the pathway to getting in front of your clients, your ideal clients that you want, um, because it's being controlled by all kinds of, we all hear about the algorithms and it's constantly changing. So a lot of times you're talking to just a fraction of people who already know you, much less the people that you don't know. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so far within a very short space of time, we've covered uh, online presence, networking. So uh, there's a lot of ground already covered, but I'd love for you to now also share with our listeners You've been in the game for some time. And so I'm curious, over that time, is there a resource, whether it's, you know, a community, a person, uh, an article or book uh, that really has had a big impact on you, either professionally or personally during your journey? Yeah, I wish I had uh, read this book years ago. I find if there's only one book that you have time to read, it's Jack Canfield's The Success Principles. It's like having a marketing coach or a business coach helping you regardless of where you are with your business. And it's these are short, workable chapters. I think he does have a, a workbook as well. And even if you've been in business for a long time, it's a great reminder of the things that you want to think about. It covers everything from pricing strategies to um, your why which we all are very, you know, Simon Sinek um, really helped us all understand the importance of your why and tying that into who you are and why you do what you do. It's an important part of your differentiating message as to why people should hire you. Um, but Success Principles by Jack Hanfield is a fabulous guide 
to really checking in on your business and all the aspects of your business. Excellent. I've not heard of that book before. That's a very new one for me. The, for some reason, the author sounds somewhat familiar, though. Yeah, he's the um, chicken of the, uh, the chicken soup. soup. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, he's written so many books over the years. I've seen him speak. He's um, very inspiring, but he keeps it really straightforward and practical and doable. And that's another reason why I like him. Yeah, I love that. It's interesting, you know, when, when people think of the why, they always think of the that video with Simon Sinek, but there are people talking about that before that video. Yes. Yes. He just went, he happened to be viral, right? His his thing, the right place at the right time and boom. So uh, now if I could just uh, flip the script a little bit, I know that you obviously, you know, help people find and identify their ideal clients. Um, but if we talked about you, could you tell us what your ideal client is and where do you find them hanging out? Sure. Um, well, I've done my process on myself, which is interesting. I mean, how many coaches and clients actually apply their own methodology to their own business. And my ideal clients are professional services. I really, I am a absolute nerd when it comes to B2B professional services. So accounting firm, business owners, coaches, I work with coaches and all kinds of consultants from technical consultants, HR, business performance, just the full gamut. And, uh, and agencies. So anyone that's in a position of advising a company, uh, whether they're working on their numbers with them or their business growth or a particular functional area of the business like operations, those are um, business owners that I really like to work with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me any characteristics uh, that they tend to share in terms of um, just, you know, personality wise, or I'm just, I'm just kind of curious, like, what? What? Yeah, I think um, the desire to grow, their pain points are often, they range from, Susan, I started my business with a group of clients that I feel very loyal to, but I can't raise my prices on them. And I can't grow my company without doing that. And I don't know how to attract the kinds of clients that are going to be aligned with a higher level of service and a different fee structure or pricing structure. So that is um, a very common theme, the reluctance to let go of who helped them start their business uh, while at the same time attracting the kind of clients that can afford their value, basically. Um, other clients uh, are struggling with marketing because it's become so hyper-specialized. There are so many options out there. And you know it's like, like a shiny object syndrome every time you turn around. And depending on who you might meet, that sounds like the service that you might need. And how do you know? And it really is about stepping back and aligning who's your ideal client, what's the message to engage with them, which are the pain points and the um, impact and value that I talked about earlier, and then being in the right room, literally for networking and figuratively from a marketing channel standpoint. If your decision makers are not on social media, that's not where you need to spend your time and your effort. It's being in the right room and communicating, doing workshops with them, joining associations that they're a member of, and being of value. You made that point earlier, really to, to be of help um, to others and to serve. And that's how you make connections. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and I'm curious. I'm interested about the concept of leveling up that you mentioned, and really helping people go from you know one range of clients that sometimes it's not quite the right fit or they, they, maybe there's a fear of niching down there. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process that people go through um, and how, what that journey kind of looks like? I think when uh, the business owner is starting to question whether they should go to a higher level client or they know they can't increase prices with their current client. So something's not quite right. When you feel like there's something out of alignment that's when you're ready to look at your strategy. And what I do is um, work with clients to analyze, you know, who are your clients? Who have they been? And aspirationally, who do you want them to be? What are the services that you want to offer that are real solutions that you're, maybe it's aspirational clients that you need to attract that will have the need and ability to pay and the willingness to pay for those highly valued services as you go up market. Sometimes it's just uh, bigger clients or it's going into vertical markets, like another industry that might have a greater need than the ones that you've been in. Uh, sometimes, you know, COVID has actually created market opportunity. And as, as we all know, in other areas, it's shut it down. So people have had to pivot. So there's lots of reasons to go up market or to adjacent markets. And then looking at, you know, how do you attract them? And it's really about looking at their pain points, what they need, and how do you serve that need? Yeah. So it sounds like a combination of, well, potentially different things. Sometimes it's positioning, sometimes it's messaging, but it really depends on each person's individual use case. Is that right? It really, it really is. And I think it all always comes down to messaging. And I, in fact, now that I think about it, I can't think of a, of a time when it didn't um, affect positioning, um, which is really just another aspect of messaging. You know, wh who is it that you are? I mean, if you want to be the go-to for X, Y, and Z, you need to build the credibility around that messaging and that's positioning. You know, you mentioned niching and people are fearful often of, quote, niching down. You know, and I, I do a lot of networking. And when I say, who's your ideal client? I hear, well, anybody and everybody that blah, blah, blah. It may be that a company's services can be applicable to all industries or all types of people, but your company can be industry agnostic, but your marketing doesn't work if it's industry agnostic. You can take one vertical market at a time and become the go-to person and provide solutions specific to that industry, then go to the next one. It doesn't mean you have to limit yourself. It just means that you want to create some visibility and awareness and penetration into that market. Otherwise, anybody and everybody, it's kind of hard to network with that. It's kind of hard to help people with that. And marketing, if anybody can find marketing that works with other than consumer packaged goods, anybody and everybody, then you know, I think it would be easier for a lot of us, but it generally doesn't really work that well in B2B. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a, an analogy I heard recently where someone was talking about taking a chisel and a hammer. And, you know, if you, if you're just basically saying, oh, well, I'm going to help, you know, some people over here and some people over there, you're never really going to create a lot of penetration basically. But if you take a very sort of concentrated part and you just keep hammering away, you're, you're going to get somewhere. 
Right. And the other thing too, with small, if we're all small businesses or small to mid-sized businesses, you know, how many new clients do you really need to have? Right. The number is not huge. It's not like Fortune 100, which, you know, I've worked in Fortune 100. It's, it's a whole different ballgame, right? Where it is volume. But when you're in the small business arena and you are clear on your revenue goals and then what your average transaction is, and then you back into how many clients you need, and then you have a sense of how many uh, one-to-ones you have to do in order to turn up a referral, and then how many, what's your your ratio of turning a referral into a lead, you can back into exactly how much money you want to make. And the number of clients that any given small business needs is not that many. So the anybody and everybody makes it that much harder to attract, which is in essence, a fairly small number. You just want it to be the right clients. Yeah. Yeah. I think also by concentrating on a very well-defined segment, you can create a little bit of an echo chamber as well, where everybody's like saying, oh, have you heard of this chap? You know, Exactly. It's kind of bouncing around. Yeah. And it doesn't land. You know, I mean, I, I, when I speak to these issues, it's because I've lived there. I've been there. I've done these mistakes. I've made these mistakes before. I've networked my brains out, driving around and going to meetings. I was the busiest person that was making no money at all. And then it occurred to me, I'm not in the right rooms. I'm really busy, but I'm not getting the results that I need. And that's the first flag of, okay, we're out of alignment. What do we need to do to get in the right room, to be aligned, to start having conversations with people who can lead us to those ideal clients, the ones that make us money and make us happy? Um, I'd love to also touch on... um yeah, you know, we mentioned sort of positioning, and and sometimes, in some cases, you find people actually pivoting. Uh, I know you've got you've got an interesting story. I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, where you. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You had someone who was basically they had an opportunity to basically buy out their business partner. Tell us what happened. To, tell us what happened next, or fill in the missing the missing gaps. Yes, yes, great client. Um, she. Uh, owned the accounting side of a business and had a partner who was and is a tax preparer. And she thought about buying out the business. So she would own the entire thing. And when we did the analysis of who her ideal clients are, we ranked, you know, margin levels, revenue levels, and what I call happiness factor. Are they a good fit for the business owner? She realized that the services that she was providing, which were accounting services, the day-to-day bookkeeping and accounting, uh, for the industries that they had, which were primarily retail and restaurants, which is very difficult in this time of COVID. So many are shutting down, off hours, uh, revenue way down, the need for accounting services you know, plummeted. And she would have ended up purchasing a, a, a business that did not give her clients that she really wanted. She also realized that she wanted to do more controller level type services. So she wanted to be more of an advisor in completely different industries. So not only did she not purchase the company, which means she saved herself hundreds of thousands of dollars, she also started her own business 
and is working in the industries that she wants to, um, that she has as ideal clients. And she's a, uh, providing the services that she really wants to spend her time doing, which is the more, um, you know, a controller VP of finance type advisory. And so she doesn't share revenue because it's her own business. She's working on clients that make her happy and make her money. And she didn't spend a lot of money to buy a company that would not have made her happy. Yeah, that's amazing. That's like a triple win. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine, uh, you know, that the process of decision making there, that must have been, you know, pretty huge undertaking now to, to uh, an, a decision to make. I'm, I'm sure having some kind of outside perspective must have helped there. I think the pivoting point was when we uh, talk, we t- I always tie in the why. Why did you start your business? When we're looking at all this data that shows that the happiness factor really isn't there and that the revenue, the the margin level isn't really there. All right. So aspirationally, who do you really want to work with? Why did you get into this business in the first place? And that's when the conversation completely went into another direction. So it was more the aspirational client that she wanted to work with providing different services and that um, allowed her to make her decision. And it was quick. And when you're working with business owners, they make the decision in the, oftentimes in that moment. And that's what fuels my joy in what I do is to see that connection again, getting re-energized about the business, why they started it in the first place, and then seeing the path forward of what's possible. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. That that said, I you know sometimes I do see people that are in that decisive stage, and uh, oftentimes it's just they need to make some kind of decision. They're just kind of stuck. I, I often find this sort of on. Uh, I often sometimes find this on um, you know ma- mastermind groups or whatever you want to call them. Basically, groups of business owners that get together and trying to help each other out. That oftentimes we jump to oh here's a solution. Here's another thing you could think about. Whereas actual actually a lot of the time people are just trying to make decisions and they need help making those decisions yeah it's the pathway to alignment that i think helps that decision making process getting out of that circular conversation with yourself or with others of well if i do this then this will happen if i do this well i don't know and and the way to get out of that is a strategic process to look at what is behind the question that we're really asking? What's out of alignment? And is there a process to figure that out? And I love solving those kinds of problems. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes that takes uncovering what the underlying assumptions are. Right. And, and going through that. Right. And, you know, a, a lot of it, it's just like therapy, right? It's biz- I call it business therapy. The answers are in the business owner. They're not my answers. I just, I'm a good detective. I know how to ask the right questions and they, they have the answers and it's just building that confidence that their gut is right and that it, it lines up and it, and it's just, it just makes sense. And so that, that kind of coaching and encouragement, um, you know, it's a lonely job to be a business owner in a, in a small business. And that's a very common emotion that I hear with these business owners. And they love this partnership of having someone, you know, get a business coach, get a marketing strategy coach, you know, don't do this alone. Yeah. 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 That makes sense. 
Um, so if someone finds themselves, you know, listening to this podcast or they're kind of curious to find out a little bit more, they want to know what might be, you know, some good steps to take in the right direction. Uh, do you have something that you could share with people where, what they could use or? Yes, absolutely. I have a complimentary document that you can download. It's free. It's easy to get. It will guide you through. It's called the four must do's to attract your ideal client. It's on my website, which is www.susangoldcoaching.com. And it's, um, oh, I think it's about, I don't know, maybe 10 pages or so in a worksheet format where you can go through uh, the same process that I take my clients through uh, and work on, you know, who have you worked with in the past and how would you rank them? Who makes you happy? Who makes you money? And then what are the messages to attract more of those ideal clients? And then how do you be in the right room? And then most importantly, how do you track all this? Because that is a lot of effort. And you want to track all your activities, your prospecting, um, and some great tools to use. Um, even networking is a challenge to, um, to track. So you can learn all about that in my four must-dos to attract your ideal client. Excellent. Yes. I've actually been through uh, some of it myself. I've, I've had a download. I think it's even helpful for people who, you know, maybe they've, they're familiar with some of this process, but um, actually, you know, you've got exercises there that are just helpful to just even further clarify uh, things for people. So that's, that's a really great one. Thanks for sharing that for us. Thank you. Um, great. So, so finally, as we wrap up here, uh, Susan, can you tell people where, uh, they can find out more about you and where they can connect with you online? Sure. Uh, or else they can email me at Susan at susangoldcoaching.com or just go to my website at www.susangoldcoaching.com and you can find me on LinkedIn at, um, Susan M. Gold. Um, if you put in the um, in the search box, Susan M. Gold, you should see my profile coming up. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Susan. This has been a pleasure having you on. Um, certainly plenty of helpful insights here. So just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jonathan. It was, a, it was very enjoyable. Cheers. Hey, thanks for listening. As always, we'd like to bring you guests that are at the forefront of the independent and boutique consulting industry. And we're also looking for recommendations. So if you know someone that you believe would be a good fit as a guest, please do send them my way, which you can do by simply emailing me at jbs at leadersofconsulting.com.